This show is brought to you by Made by Super. Hiring a design studio is more necessary than you think. Your brand is important, and how it's represented shouldn't be phoned in. Whether it's your logo, website, messaging, online ads, environment, graphic design, or social media, you need professionals, thinkers, advocates for your brand, people that will make you look good. It will make a difference. Trust me. Go to madebysuper.com and hire great designers to get to work for you on your brand. Also brought to you by Age-Old Trade Design, LA's premier hospitality design firm. Hey guys, Mary Elizabeth Ellis is my guest today. You likely know Mary Elizabeth as the waitress on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. She also recently starred on The Grinder, and lately she's been appearing on The Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. She starred in, co-wrote, and executive produced the film Mother May I Dance with Mary Jane's Fist, a Lifetone original movie for Adult Swim. You may also know her from the film Mastermind, and you'll soon be able to check her out in the upcoming film El Tonto. Enjoy. It is a skeleton, and you have to discover where the bones go. What I need for my life, I am drawn to create the play. Use the play. You must use it like an Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good to see you. It's so good to see you too. Um, yeah, I did get an audition yesterday. Oh. For five o'clock today. Oh. Yesterday. So you have to go. What time I, do you have to go? At some point. Like like probably three. Let's do yeah. what time is it right now? Two thirty. One. It's one. So, so yeah, two thirty ish. Okay, good. Gotta drive to Santa Monica for a five o'clock audition. Oh, I love that. Isn't that best? fun? So best. Are you um are you going to Jeannie McCarthy's office? Yeah. <laughs> I hate I by the way, I love Jeannie McCarthy, but yeah, hate driving so far to away. Jeannie McCarthy's office. I know. It's so far away. Why can't it always be Allison Jones? I know. Uh, by the way, at least you're going against traffic. Yeah, and then to coming come back. back is gonna be <laughs> Horrific. It's going to be horrific. Oh, my God. I know. Charlie's always like, I feel like there are ghost cars that drive out of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> like five o'clock and just cram the streets. It's so crazy. Um, it's so funny. I feel like we haven't done a podcast yet where traffic hasn't come up. Like, I feel like it's like always going to be. Um, we live in L.A. Okay. So I do. I Maybe we'll touch on your audition, not the specifics of it, but just like in a general way. But first, can you talk about. First of all, how do we know each other? We know each other because uh, we did a pilot together. Yeah. Is that how we met? Yeah. That's crazy. But it's weird because we have so many people in common. Yeah. That I would think we would Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I mean, now we have Richard Dreyfus in common. Mostly Richard Dreyfus. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did a pilot called Your Family or Mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you played my um, sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. Yeah. And that was really fun. It and was fun. Richard Dreyfus was on that pilot. Richard Dreyfus smacked me right on the ass. Yeah, in the middle of a spiritual conversation we were having. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, me too, right? I mean, he now. Yeah. I mean, he got in some trouble. Well, good. I mean, recently he got in trouble. I mean, that was in the news. I think. Um, good. Good. Yeah, Richard I mean, Dreyfus. I hope you're listening. It's to not this. nice <laughs> to smack women on the ass. It's not like ever. But no. especially amidst a spiritual conversation. <laughs> um, don't even smack women on the spiritual ass. Yeah. Don't. If that makes any don't sense. Don't smack women at all, really. Yeah. Just don't smack don't women. Don't smack women. <laughs> That's the thing. You I know what? Actually, like by the go. way, don't smack. Don't smack your gum. Don't smack your gum. <laughs> don't talk smack. Don't talk smack. 
and, and don't, don't smack people <laughs> or animals or or animals any sentient being i would say don't smack i'm by the way not even nice to smack a plant no smacking's not nice it's not don't smack yourself <laughs> if you're smacking yourself <laughs> something's wrong um this is uh true it's all true this is, <laughs> these are universal truths that we have i mean i feel like yeah we're done so. hashtag no don't smack <laughs> hashtag don't smack um yeah so we okay so we did that and that was really fun and uh we had spiritual conversations and richard <laughs> richard Travis is a character he sure Let's is say that sweaty right? tan-faced fake tan-faced fake tan-faced character fake tan-faced character um wait what are we are now we're talking smack we're smacking, guys. Are we? We are. We're talking smack. Well, it's is it true. is it still talking smack when you're talking smack about a smacker? About a smacker. <laughs> <laughs> we can double down on the smacks. <laughs> Do two smacks make a not and smack? smack. <laughs> a caress. <laughs> Do two smacks make a caress? Deep the, thoughts here. Today. <laughs> the, that's funny. Um, okay, so that's how you and I met. And so, was there a moment in your life? Uh, leading up to us meeting, which is like obviously nope, nope, nope. That's when your life started. Yes. Um, was there a moment in your life when you were like, "I'm an actor," like I'm definitely an actor. This is what I'm doing. I I've always thought that. Like, was there an age at which it started, or like since you can even remember? I think since I can remember. Like, I feel like people were like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was like, "An actor." Wow. Yeah. And do you have any recollection of like what, um, like what made you think of that? Like, um, like a I movie mean, you, do you remember a moment? Was there a moment where I you... think I loved, yeah, like Annie, you uh -huh. know, like I really wanted to be not Annie, but Pepper. Yeah. And yeah. Annie. Yeah. 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 Um, knew from an early, early age, I was going to be playing a sidekick a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ooh. I, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I do feel like when A League of Their Own came out, uh -huh. and I saw that, and there were like so many women, so many different women doing so many different things. I was like, for reals, though, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna be, an, gonna actor. be an actor. Yeah. Wow. And so, did you start training at like at what age did you start training? I mean, we took classes. I grew up in like a really small town in Mississippi called uh -huh. Laurel, uh -huh. um, which. Incidentally, Parker Posey is also from oh, or like moved to at least in time to go to high school. So I'm when such I was a fan of hers, but I way. know She's amazing. So yeah, um, I feel like especially for our generation, she yeah. was like the indie queen when we were in like high school and and college. Yeah, yeah. It was a very but she's like she was so she is so yeah. talented. So I mean, yeah. she's like such a fun person to watch. Yeah, agreed. Um, so I think because like I grew up with pictures of her. Like in the wall of the drama department, I was like, "Ooh, I can do this. It's attainable." You right. know, um, I grew up in a really small town, but it was very sort of art-minded. Huh. So, um, in the way that we had like a little theater that did plays. Yeah. Did you do plays? I did plays. I did Oliver. Oliver. Who'd you play in Oliver? I was an orphan. Oh, you just did. Orphan. I was just uh -huh. an orphan. Please, sir. May I have, I have some, some more? <laughs> Thrash him, smash him. Don't smack him, though. <laughs> don't smack, smash him, but don't, don't smack Don't smack him. No, I mean, Oliver, that's the whole story is that he was smacked a lot. I mean, that's like part of Oliver. Yeah. Smacking in the context of Oliver is okay because that's what... He's because it's an orphan. And, yeah. They don't have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and also... orphans is okay. It's fine. <laughs> I also 
really wanted to be Nancy in that play. Of course. Everyone wants to be Nancy. The dead, the prostitute that gets murdered by. Everyone wants to be. But she has like that great anthem. What's her song? Oh, so good. About being smacked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love. I love him. I I I love him. Right? Is that the. I can't remember. I do remember she sings. That's how it goes. Everyone knows. And you're like, oh, what a happy whore. I know. <laughs> a happy whore. A happy beer slinging whore. I want to be a happy beer slinging yeah. whore. Yeah. And there was a time. Yeah. Well, by the way, like you look at all those musicals, like The King and I. I mean, there's, oh, God, there's I know. so Carousel. much massage. Oh, Carousel's like the cla- <laughs> the worst. And that's about that's about wife beating. Yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of about wife beating. Sure. Um, but also, like you know, I guess like deeper. But that that musical also has um, Don't Ever Walk Alone, which is like the, like one of the best songs that's ever yeah. been written in musicals. You'll no, you'll never walk alone. I feel like we should write a musical called wife beating <laughs> wife beating the musical where we just all play <laughs> wives being beaten but it's not sad because it's a musical yeah 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 but then there'll be like an anthem with like an old lady who no longer has sex but then she sings really amazing operatic songs <laughs> i mean if she's not going to be giving it up she's got to have something to do that's right. value of well value. as soon as you get to a certain age you don't have sex anymore you just sing you just sing <laughs> that's in the musicals that's what happens yes uh, but you sing like deep soulful songs not just like casual songs unless you're a clown unless you're like an evil smacker like like <laughs> i played who are the the mean i played one of the orphan keeper people in oliver Oh yeah, That's her, I don't even remember their names. All of a sudden, I like orphan keeper people. The the like the like know, people who the Cockney the, people. Yeah, who are yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's my impression of my. I like it. My character. I don't Oliver. remember those people's oh, names. Sh- they're like all. a married couple. Yeah, like okay. kind of like the ones in Les Mis. Yeah, exactly like the ones in Les Mis, um, but with more children. But with more children. And like I also for some reason more stage makeup. <laughs> like I wore a lot of stage makeup in Oliver. I still oh, have pictures yeah. of How it. How old were you? Uh this was in college. <laughs> or no, this was like summer stock. You know, like I did summer stock. That's amazing. So I was like probably twenty. Twenty. Well then you'll you're gonna need a lot of you know, we yeah, you right. To practice the techniques you're learning. No, too. but we did like 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 under eye bags and like white face. Like I blacked out some teeth. Yeah, you know I, mean? Get in. <laughs> I mean that's probably pretty true to the times. If we're being honest. Yeah, no, they were definitely missing teeth in yeah. real. In now was Oliver based? Okay, we're so off topic, but and we'll stop talking. But like D- uh, Dickens, is that a D- was it a Dickens novel? I don't. It should have been. It might as well have been, right? I, I don't think so, but maybe Oliver Twist. Yeah, Oliver Twist was a novel. First. I don't know. Okay, we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Are you Google looking it, it up, Chris? <laughs> oh, Oliver Twist is Charles Dickens per and Chris now Monko. It's a musical, and now it's musical. <laughs> well, it's been a musical for no, just now. <laughs> just now <laughs> we're coming up with a musical. <laughs> um, before we move on from stage makeup, yeah, really quickly, I did Arsenic and Old Lace oh, when I was I in love high that school. Play. That place is so good. And our teacher made us liquid latex toilet paper to our faces no spirit gum toilet paper to our faces For and then put makeup? liquid latex over it oh and then put makeup God. over it oh geez and you know when you're in high school and your skin's great oh no yeah did it like ruin everything yeah it was pretty bad oh, although no. it was good for buying cigarettes 
Oh, yeah, sure. Not because you, you look old, but just because people were like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with this person. They obviously <laughs> need. Just give them the cigarettes. Did you smoke in high school? Yeah, starting I smoked at a lot like 15. Yeah, I, sm- I even started like younger than that. Did you get caught? Did your parents care? Did they know? Oh, my parents so cared. My parents were really good at denial. Yeah. 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 I think they know. I got smacked. You got smacked? In the face. Oh, yeah. It when they the found out time. that you were smoking? Yeah, I I had a pack of cigarettes in my back pocket, but I was too drunk oh, to wow. realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just straight up got caught. Yeah. I straight up got caught in high school for smoking cigarettes. And, and did your parents care? It's like so badly. My dad was like, he was, he, my dad threatened to take away my car. In fact, did take away my car. Um, but that was only when he found me smoking the second time. He was like, if I ever find you smoking again, I'm going to take away your car. And then he did because he found out I was smoking again. The first time he found me smoking, I was, like, hanging out on Telegraph Avenue. I grew up in Northern California, and I was, like, with, like, skaters and, like, you know, smoking cigarettes and thought it was really cool. And my dad, like, randomly happened to, like, see it from a distance. And then when it was – he, he like – like, he was, like, supposedly, like, reading the paper at a nearby cafe waiting for my our pickup time. He used to pick me up in front of the Gap on Telegraph Avenue Amazing. or whatever. So in his mind, you were, like – perusing clothes at the gap but really yeah like in his skaters or like i don't like yeah i don't know what he like i don't know what he thought i was doing i mean i mean that's like it's pretty obviously like an illicit thing to i mean you know what i mean like like you let your daughters hang out with a bunch of randos on telegraph avenue like she's probably smoking pot and smoking cigarettes yeah i mean that's what i did so anyway so he but he saw me smoking cigarettes i don't think he cared as much about the pot as much but the cigarettes he was really upset anyway he i go to him because it's 3 p.m our pickup time or whatever he's like give me your backpack i'm like what give me your backpack and he like dramatically like opens my backpack takes the pack of cigarettes out throws all the cigarettes on the ground and like smashes them right oh, no. and i of course was like deeply deeply embarrassed and then but this was like the worst part he takes me to the fucking deli where I got the cigarettes, like where I bought them and then like made me like go stand there and like my hoods like over my eyes. I'm like so ashamed as he's like yelling at the proprietors of the store <laughs> for selling cigarettes, for selling to, cigarettes to a minor and was like, I'll sue you. This is, I'm going to report you like all of the things. It was deeply humiliating, but it did not, did stop not me from make smoking. you stop. Yeah. No, of course not. No. Did you stop? When did you stop smoking? Uh, Charlie and I quit together. Oh, so I was probably 20. Charlie's your husband. Do what? Charlie is your Charlie's husband, my husband. For those of you who don't know. Yes. I was probably like 23 or four and he was like 26 or something. Yeah, and you probably. guys were just like, we're doing it. We're I think he, we have different memories of how this happened, but yeah. I think he was like, I want to quit and I can't quit if you don't quit. And mm. I was like, I'll quit with you. But he says that I told him I will never marry someone who smokes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he in his, in your version of the story, it was he who prompted yes. the quitting, and in his version, it was you. Yeah. Interesting. I know. His version is very romantic. Yeah, kind of. I mean, no, but I, yeah, I guess it's kind of romantic. Yeah. And then like sort of an Alanonic way, <laughs> in a super codependent, codependent yeah. kind of way. Um, I quit for you. Yeah, I quit for you because <laughs> I'll never marry you if you don't. But. Yeah. I'm glad we don't smoke anymore. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's the most disgusting thing ever. It's disgusting. Um, but I have to, like, in honesty, um, 
I'm I'm super pregnant for those of you who don't know <laughs> as, as we record this smoking through no I have not pregnancy. been smoking <laughs> can you imagine but like there was a couple moments because I smoked for a really long time like really really like I mean a shamefully long time and um obviously like I would never s- smoke while pregnant I mean ever in a million years but like I the fact that it's so forbidden like has made me like there were have been a couple times where I'm like oh like all I want right now is a cigarette like all I want and like there have been a couple times where I'm like walking around in public and people are smoking and I'm just sort of like (laughs) that's amazing yeah yeah it's really dangerous though now they know that even third hand smoke can like cause SIDS and stuff what's third hand third hand smoke is there's another just like yeah just on your hands just on your hair like if you've been out in public with a bunch of smokers even if you yourself haven't smoked oh, yeah. but you're covered in like old cigarette so smoke second smell. hand is the actual smoke going in you right and then third hand is like you know like the residual what's left on your the, clothes yeah or whatever what's it called what's the what's the half life what's the half life of cigarettes called like what in chemistry like when like something fades by half <laughs> oh geez no okay no. not even not even we're not chemists not even and chemists. someone listening right now is like it's this you dummies and do you have a lot of chemists <laughs> that are like yeah they're well hopefully by the way that's why i'm doing this show right it's like what can we what is it that we know about acting that could actually uh be of help to chemists of help to chemists (laughs) yeah and there are definitely things i mean i feel like because i think that like a lot of what we learn about acting is you know gives us access to some things that are like universally applicable to our lives in a a very uh, useful way i agree i do think it's very closely akin to psychology like i feel like a lot of people who are like I wanted to be an actor and then like, I don't know, I just kind of got sucked into psychology. And now I feel like a lot of people go into psychology from like minoring in acting or majoring in acting in college or yeah, giving it a go for a while and being like, this is not for me. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about like what the connection is for you between acting and psychology? I mean, this is a big question. <laughs> Obviously, this is sort of what we're here to talk about. Yeah. So, you know, and we'll continue to distill that. But since you brought it up, like what... Well, I feel like the general answer is the study of human behavior, Mm. right? Like, I feel like, I feel like I became an actor, well, probably also because like, I love being on stage. I loved like having an audience, like being able to perform. I loved being the center of attention. So Mm -hmm. those are the like, quote unquote, selfish reasons. When you started. When I started. Yeah. But I feel like once I started really studying it and learning it, I, I would say like the, like being able to step into another person and um, understand someone that's not myself, where that mm-hmm. person's coming from, what that person's code of morals is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, we've, we've touched on this, but like, can you talk about, um, um okay so the study of humans that's that makes it akin to psychology and then like beyond that this this sort of learning how to step into someone else's shoes like what is how do you do you do that in your life too do you do that like on a daily basis is this a practice for you is there value in that for you in general other than just when you're like stepping into a role Mm -hmm. a million percent i mean i feel like having come from such a small town in Mississippi, a place that's like very not about 
progression in a lot of ways, a place that's very proud of like, uh, its heritage and its culture. Um, it's like slowness sort Mm -hmm. of, um, my dad like grew up in the town that he went and went to college and went to dental school and then moved back and started a practice in the town he grew up in. My mom is from Louisiana. She didn't go very far. And, um, so I would say like being able to be out, out here, like move outside of like the smallness of that circle Mm -hmm. gave me an opportunity to see people, more people in different ways because that circle is so small. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, I don't know which, which came first, right? Like, I guess you get better at acting when you have more exposure to more things because you're able to have like a firsthand or secondhand knowledge of Uh those things. Uh Um, it's expansive in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of a, but also then acting is opens up opportunities to expand. So yes. sort of like a chicken and egg. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um and then so in my life I feel like yeah it, my whole practice is love like return, like releasing fear and coming back to love over and over and over again. Um something that I realized like maybe two years ago was that like, Oh, I don't actually have to hold on to my fear as an actor to be able to tap into that at some point. Mm. Like I do feel like there's a whole, um, Oh, artists are so dark and Mm -hmm. you know, so many, it's terrible things have to happen to you if you want to be a successful actor and like Mm -hmm. to, to realize that actually, what I feel like acting is, is being able to tap into the universal. Mm-hmm. And so I don't personally have to hold on to any of that because it's always there and accessible for me whenever I need it. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know you understand what I'm saying. No, I do, but it like, doesn't but, make sense. <laughs> but talk, I want to talk about tapping into the universal. Um, um, I totally know what you're talking about. And I, um, I think a lot of actors who are listening will maybe know what you're talking about. And I think a lot of people will know, um, and we'll get back to that in like one second. But before we do that, I, I also want to just talk, cause this has been a little bit recurring. Like when you say stepping into somebody else's shoes, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> just now you talked about it in terms of, um, you know, the expansion and the exposure and the openness and, and the opportunity that acting gave you. Mm-hmm in terms of like getting out of the small town or, or, or exposing you to what's outside of the small town. Um, but also like, would you say that stepping into somebody else's shoes? I mean, this is a, a lot of times the way people define compassion mm, or empathy sure. or is like actually, um, feeling what a person in those shoes is feeling. And so I wonder, is that a practice for you? Um, not only in acting, but also outside of acting and, like, and can you, can you, uh, just dig into that for a second? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do think of myself as an empathetic person always. Like if there's something going on, my attention goes to that, like, oh, that person we're in a restaurant, like that person doesn't have a seat. There needs to be a seat for that person. Maybe if I move here, like that person. So learning how to, let go of that part of it where I'm like trying to problem solve the world's Uh like situations. And, um, 
and learning to harness empathy, uh, in a way that's also empathetic to myself. Right. Right. So like sometimes like too much empathy can be really handicapping. I think so. It can get super overwhelming. Or like you're like if you feel a lot of empathy, if you're a naturally empathetic person, but but then you feel a need to fix somebody else's experience that they're having or or change like a, a quote unquote negative feeling that someone's having. Someone's feeling really sad or scared and you want to fix it or yeah. change it or help them. That can be a little bit debilitating. Yeah. For both yourself and actually the person in that situation. Right. I, um, and talk about that. So like, why would it be? Cause I think, you know, a lot of people know, like, like wh- why would it be debilitating for somebody else like why why wouldn't you want to help somebody who's afraid or 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 cure somebody's sadness like what 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 stops you from doing that like what what is what is in any way wrong with that right like fixing other people um or helping them yeah well right like if if you think of it as helping but if it's like comes from the place of fixing then that you take that person's power away because they don't get the opportunity to learn the lesson themselves Mm -hmm. and help themselves and fix themselves right 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 i remember somebody saying to me um uh you have to give people the dignity of their own journey I think that's an amazing way to put it. Yeah. And it's like, it's really, but that's not always easy. Like you don't, you see someone suffering and you want to jump right in and say, Hey, Hey, you don't have to suffer. (laughs) Like, yeah. And I can show you, I know how, like I went through what you went through last year and like, let me give you my tips and tricks and practices for how to help you not suffer in this way. But sometimes people like need to go through that themselves and and really learn the lessons that you yourself got to learn the last time you were suffering right right and also i feel like what we're learning right now in the world in a way that we haven't before that my eyes are just being open to is like oh i come from a place of white privilege Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um as like a upper middle class growing up to like upper class person Mm -hmm. um that the the experience of the those people that are suffering often like in economic ways or you know um, right i mean that's a whole by the way like this conversation gets tricky at exactly the juncture that you're at right now in this conversation like yeah. uh, i mean when suffering comes when we're not just talking about like um you know, emotional suffering that is like sort of, I mean, this is a very privileged conversation we're having. You right. know what I mean? Like sure. we're talking about suffering in terms of like, oh, you know, you feel really sad right now because you just went through a breakup or you feel disappointed or you feel rejected. But there is actual like violence that's happening to to a lot of people in the world um, that that is causing suffering that people really actually may be total victims of or have no control over. Mm-hmm. Um And And we we don't really think, you know, like we're, we are privileged because we don't think about that suffering on a daily basis or we might, right? We hear about it on the news or hear about it on the news, but it's not like facing us every single day. Every single day we don't wake up afraid that we're going to get murdered or that someone who, that we love is going to be murdered. Yeah. It's so true. Um, and that brings us back to like compassion and empathy, right? And like stepping into someone else's shoes. So I do think that the practice of acting is is the same as the practice of practicing empathy, practicing compassion, seeing if you can step into the shoes of someone else and say, 
what does it feel like to lose a child to mm. violence? You know, like Nia Wilson, who Ugh. I know was just murdered in such a horrific way. Yeah. Uh, I but can't. By, and by the way, like before her, like and so, so many people. Many. I mean, just that's like, just where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Black people are getting murdered constantly yeah. for no reason. I mean, not just black people. Yeah. I mean, and Latin American people are being ripped away from their families. And I mean, like a lot of really, really, really deeply sad and horrific things are happening in the world right now. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, people in my circle are there. I have a lot of people I feel like who have been like, um, really releasing relationships in their lives that don't serve them anymore. Mm. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with these things happening in the world. Like we're just seeing so much shit come up that we're like, okay, the shit that is right in front of me that I have the opportunity to let go of, Mm. let me let go of that. The fear that I personally hold on to, like, let me let go of that. There's, there'll always be fear to tap into if that's something that we need for a job or something, you know, right. um, for a character. Um, yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, so it does make sense. So are you saying, I don't know. Whose phone is, is that your phone or my phone? Oh, it's okay. It's your iPad. Okay. We, we have a little iPad. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so, so talk about like, um, Talk about how, so you, just to re-say what you're saying, it's, it's that, um, in a sense we're, we're, we're confronted so often by the suffering in the world right now, um, that, that we're, our, our capacity for empathy hopefully is expanding. And when, as our capacity for empathy expands, um, we are, we're able to further distill, um, like where our empathy we're, we're able to be more discerning about where our empathy goes. Yeah. Or, or, um, I mean the practice I think is seeing, seeing, um, the bullshit in your own life, right? Yeah. The fear, the, the anger and, um, shining a light of empathy on that. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't have the power that it had. Right. So anymore. I said, I, I said it wrong. Like it's not right. It's not about, we don't ever, there's no limit to our empathy. We want to have as much empathy as possible. I mean, there, there's nothing, uh, destructive about empathy, but we then, we can harness the power in a more effective way. If we can harness the power of empathy. We can direct it toward ourselves. We can direct it toward people that we have, n- we've never met mm-hmm. people whose lives we have never experienced or, um, you know, people that we probably will never meet. So, so that's what, that's sort of what's happening. Like as our world gets a little scarier and scarier is that we're actually able to, um, as our empathy expands, like we, we become expanded. Like we can maybe feel more connected to people who we never might've felt connected to before. God, I hope that's what comes out of this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it's really um, uh, important to note that you said 
as our empathy expands, we can shine the empathy on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's really important that self-love and that's kind of, kind of the hardest. I mean, I was thinking about you and your pregnancy this morning and how, um, you know, when you're pregnant, like how much self-care you, you, yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah take, yeah. um, and how you like slow down cause you just have to, mm-hmm. and, um, take baths and mm-hmm. stuff that you don't necessarily usually do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Or maybe this is just my experience. Well, I mean, I think if we're lucky, we get to like, you know, take more baths and stuff yeah, or, slow down. or if we have the awareness to say, you know what, this is a distinct part of my life. This is a distinct biological phase in my existence Yeah, um, that we can then say, I'm going to take care of myself in these ways, but not, you know, not, I mean, there are a lot, I mean, it's a lot of pregnant women, even who I, even the most privileged women who are working through their pregnancies and stressed. And, oh yeah, you know for I mean? sure. There are, there's also a lot of that, but hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's interesting because it's not even actually self-care. Usually it's like, cause you have a baby inside you right. and you're taking care of a baby. Right, like it's right. easier to, there is something that hopefully happens when you're, when you have a growing life inside of you. Yeah. Yeah that you need to take care of yeah I mean for me I was just sort of like from the beginning I was like that I there's a nervous system literally like I'm making a nervous system and therefore like I can't have that cigarette yeah not only can I not have a cigarette but like even like there's just like I there's a limit to how much anxiety I'm gonna let myself feel like I just am not gonna let my let my anxiety peak in the same way because it's it's irresponsible like it's just it's like i i'm hurting this developing nervous system yeah um, it, it also it also shifts your perspective in such a way right becoming a parent yeah of course which you know you have how you seven i have yeah Russell he's seven, six and a half six. yeah um okay so so talk about like when you talk about um self-care and directing the empathy or, or the compassion inward um, will you just talk a little bit about um, the importance that that has for you as a practice and also like what your practice is in that? Um, like what's valuable about doing that? Because we don't value, like as a society, we're not like, we're not like, you know, we read very little in the news about how to take care of yourself. Yeah, right? you're right. And like even that question I've, sigh because I'm like oh great now I sound like a selfish asshole who just like <laughs> no. takes care of myself no, all the we time have to. I know but yeah. it's you're right it's not valued right and you know what is valued right now is like stress like how stressed are you how right. many things do you have to get done today because right. you're actually a really important person in this right. world and you have exactly. to get to this and then to that right that's a sign this. of importance is that you're really stressed right and that you're not getting any sleep and that you can't take care of yourself you're not taking care you of yourself can't, right yeah now. no like someone's like I'm not taking good care of myself at all and there's a part of you that's like oh good good for you. You're working so hard. (laughs) You're about to be really successful. (laughs) You're just like working so hard. And then when you're done, you're so, you just have to get drunk because you're just like so stressed. Just like hashtag wine o'clock is I feel like so not good for us. Um, I always have it. So what, so yeah. So, so, so counter, so counter to like the, like the general movement in the Americans in the Americas, um, as a, as like, you know, inviting stress goes, how do you, how, why do you self-care? Why do you value that? Why do you do that? Um, I do it because, uh, I, I, 
my fear manifests as anger mm. and anger comes out at other people and also at myself and it's um ugly and like painful to the people around me mm. and um it's something that i feel like i have been working on since forever like i can remember yelling at like friends when i was in junior high and then being so embarrassed because i don't know how to like con control my emotions yeah <clears throat> um and so i feel like a lot of the work that I do is about releasing the fear by shining a light of empathy on it and mm -hmm. letting like, and loving even that part of myself, like mm -hmm. learning to love even that part of myself. Um, so I can personally become like a, a love beacon, a like, um, lighthouse just shining from my heart. And when people, this is what I was, I had a healing session this, this morning and this mm -hmm. is what, um, the healer that I worked with and I were talking about that, like, then you, my Mississippi self is like, I can't even believe you're about to say this. Mm -hmm. Then you raise the vibrations in yourself. Yeah. And when people see you at that place, it changes, it changes them. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, not only am I like, um, do I have the opportunity to use like my Instagram platform and, and stuff like that for like, Hey, look at this charity that, that I think is super awesome and mm -hmm. like donate to this thing that I think is super great. But hopefully in my life in actuality on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm making it a little easier for my son, for my husband, for my friends, for like the coffee shop person, mm -hmm. the not the drivers on the road yet. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm yeah. a fucking dick. In we the live car. in Los Angeles. You guys, oh there's their traffic's insane. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's why, I guess that's why I practice self care for other people is what my answer is. Yeah. I, like, yeah. like the idea being that like, if you can, if you can love yourself, then you can truly love another. And if you can then love another, you and that other can love the world. Yeah. That's yeah. like a pretty and it natural just spreads progression. Yeah. Right. And so the, the, what's really important here is that self love is actually not, you know, we can think of it as like a self indulgent um, practice to take care of ourselves. And we'll, and I want to get into the more um, specific act, uh, specific parts of your practice. But that, but that practicing self love, practicing self care, practicing like empathy for ourselves is not just like, I'm going to forget about the fact that I'm white and privileged, or I'm going to forget about the fact that, um, you know, that, that other people are suffering and just like focus on my own suffering. It's actually a really important, um, practice for the world. Like it actually does. And you can call it, you know, it raises your vibrations. That's how we say it in California. Yeah. Um, but even like in Mississippi, you might say, or, or like anywhere, you might say, look, if you're in a great mood, probably people around you will get in better moods. Yeah. Yeah. And when you release the fear or the anger or the hate, then you make space for something else. Right. 
Right, right. So, but here's where it gets tricky because, you know, in California, like, you know, it's, we're, I mean, we're famous in California anywhere. Like, let's say like a yoga studio, right? Like, mm-hmm. yogis can be like the worst humans. I mean, like, For sure. you know, like people get really catty about like their yoga spot, which is obviously like so counter to the, the, the purpose of yoga, right? You go to yoga to like, be peaceful and be inclusive and and feel unified and find empathy and like and be spiritually evolved and expanded but like we still get really irritated when someone takes our spot or yeah when someone's walks in late or steps on our mat or like whatever the thing is so so the tricky part right is this this concept of spiritual bypass like you in other words you have to feel the anger Mm -hmm. you have to feel the anger you have to feel the self-loathing you have to feel the fear. You have to feel these quote unquote unpleasant feelings. I don't even know if you need quotes around unpleasant. I mean, those feelings are can be very difficult feelings. Yeah. But you have to feel them in order to get to the place where you love yourself and and therefore can love others. Yeah. For even, even yeah. Like you can't just go like, oh, I'm letting go of my fear. No. I'm letting go of my anger. I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. Because that's, you know, that's like, that's just straight denial. Well, then it just comes back. Right? And then it comes back. Yeah. Right. Or, so it, like, I mean, it never really goes anywhere, but you find it again. Right. Like, it comes back and smacks you in the face. Yeah, it sure <laughs> does. Smacking. Smacking in the face. Uh, you know, it's also, it's that's why it's called a practice, right? Because we're humans and it's the same feeling as in meditation when you sit down and you're like, okay, like, whoa, here I am. I'm doing it. I am really in a play. Oh fuck. Now I'm talking to myself and I'm Mm. not in the moment because I'm talking, okay, let me just gently bring myself back. Right. It's that same, like you keep wandering off the path that you've set the intention to, but you have to just like keep gently. And it takes a great deal of awareness and consciousness to know that this is a moment where you need to bring yourself back. It does. Like that in itself is a muscle that we, that we learn to strengthen is not only the muscle that that helps us the practice of bring, helps us practice bringing ourselves back but also the muscle that says to us wait wait I need to practice bringing myself back right now yeah and then I would say even on top of that like and I need to do it in a kind way right as opposed to being like oh, I hate myself bitch. now I'm you're yelling worst. at someone in the right. car again <laughs> yeah so talk about your practices like talk about Talk about like when you feel, um, you know, you, you said fear, right? Fear that, that sort of manifests as anger. Mm -hmm. When you feel fear that manifests as anger, you just straight up feel the anger and you're not even yet able to identify the fear. Like what is, how do you, um, what do you do? Um, I would say I, uh, give it a moment, like see that I need like space for a moment, take just like a little space, breathe, like mm-hmm. take some deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I, I think because I have, um, a practice through, um, through shamanism mm-hmm. that I, <laughs> that I, um, I have spirit guides that I've met. Mm-hmm. And so I have, support like knowing that I have support so then is that so okay so you you take space you sort of access a sense of being supported Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then is there, uh, do you pray? Do you meditate? Do you? I meditate. Yeah, I do meditate. I do pray. I do. I journey, which is the right. shamanic way to say, like I drum for myself and, um, do like um, a journey through my imagination. And what does that look like? You close your eyes. You, you put close on your mask. eyes. Um, you Maybe. can find drumming on online or like I have a drum. So I drum. I close my eyes. There's a forest. There's mm -hmm. a tree. It's mm -hmm. the tree of life. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you go inside. There's like a like an Alice in Wonderland type. And you're talking right now about uh, like a, a journey in your imagination. Imagination. Okay. Yeah. Eyes closed. Imagination. And so you're imagining seeing a tree of life. Mm -hmm. You're imagining going inside the tree of life like mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. Going down, down the stairway. There's a door and you open the door and go inside. And inside is your sacred garden. Mm -hmm. And this is a place that's like a refuge only for you. This is your seat of power. This is your safe spot. Um, and it can look like anything in the whole world that you want it to look like. Um, and then you can call for uh, spirit guides or animal spirits to come mm -hmm. in and um, and uh, show you things that you and so this is like a really interesting process, which I also have done with you. We've mm -hmm. been in the same room. Yeah. yeah there's a, an amazing teacher. Um, should we say Sarah? Yeah. Uh, Sarah Finley. Sarah She's Finley. great. She's a great uh, sh shaman in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, and so what's so interesting to me about shamanic journeying is that. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I would have to ask you what you feel, but my experience of it is that it's part generation, right? So like you're at once allowing visions and images and imaginations to come to you and also seeking them or creating space for them. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're participating in our own visions but we can't necessarily say that the visions come from our conscious minds. The visions are coming from elsewhere, whether they're coming from outer entity spirit guides, whether they're coming from our unconscious minds, whether they're coming from like, who knows where these visions are coming from, where these spirit guides emanate. Right. Cause like what's imagination from, right. Is the question there, you know? Right. But I think that this is so, so, so just finish like, um, like these, these visions, these, when you invite your imagination when you do when you journey do mm -hmm. the shamanic journeying um you do it for under 10 minutes right yeah 10 15 minutes okay maybe. and then you cut and then the vision ends you 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 leave the, the tree of life yeah you step you step outside and close the door and then in this world you open your eyes and you have a conversation with the leader um of the journey. Uh, I do it for myself now as well, but about what you saw and what you think that means. And so when you have a conversation with yourself, is this sort of like, do you journal it? I do. And I you do. journal both sides of the, so you'll ask yourself questions that you'll then answer in your journal. I think I just like write down what happened and what it means to me and what I think the importance of it is. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so, so when you're feeling angry or mm -hmm. you're feeling afraid, um, 
or you're feeling maybe rejected or disappointed, any kind of never happens in acting. I know. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. I mean, I, you know, we that's the through line, right? We all feel a lot of rejection and disappointment. Every actor all the, of all time has yeah. often felt those feelings. Yeah. Um, and by the way, not only actors, obviously, right? Like everyone, right. everyone in the world feels fear and anger and rejection. disappointment yeah. and rejection sometimes. Um, so when, and so through that process of the journeying and the, the self-reflection then in, in your journal, you, what do you come to? Do you feel, you feel better? I feel better. Like I feel like, um, look, I was raised very Christian in mm-hmm. in Mississippi and the Bible belt evangelical. Um, and so I've always felt a deep connection to God. Mm-hmm. And so I feel when I do this less alone. Mm. Like I'm not alone in this. This is my life is, um, a purpose. I'm an expression of God as a human Mm -hmm. on this plane, having a human experience. I'm here to learn. Um, and I feel really grateful to have these tools and also really grateful to be an actor and to have the opportunity to create, because I do think that creative people have a conduit, a direct, connection to whatever is on the other side, the universe, the unknown. And that if we step back, we see like these themes that are playing out. Right. And we Mm -hmm. get to be, um, a tool for those, for those themes to be able to work themselves out. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so, uh, so if, if you, let's say you're not like, let's say, I mean, I, I sort of believe that we're all really creative, right? Like just cause we're human. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just because we have sex and like make babies, we're creative. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but if you're not in like a, a very obviously creative, uh, field, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're a dental hygienist mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't know what, like an IT person. Yeah. Um, what, um, how do you become a tool of the universe like like what like what like what what do you how do you feel that guided in that way that you're sort of describing like how do you how do you open yourself to um greater purpose i mean i think that's a hard... oh, by the way sorry just to be clear general hygienists and it people might have a great sense of purpose but like if you're i mean you know what i mean we can all yeah, yeah. have a sense of purpose in what we do but if you're seeking more, mm-hmm. how do you, how, how might you do that? Um, I think it's a little bit hard for me to answer that. Just oh, really? Be- that's, that's, that, cause that's <laughs> such an easy question. <laughs> just because like, I'm not an IT person or a dental hygienist. I sure. always wanted to be an actor. I've always been like creative. And then people have been like, yes, go be creative, you right. know? So that part of me didn't get really tapped down. I would say like, it's crazy how often you hear people say like, Oh, I can't draw or I can't write or I can't dance or I can't sing. Um, I don't know. I would say like, find yourself like a room where no one can hear you and like, try it, try dancing and singing and drawing. And here's like, here's a, so like at some point acting, cause like, you know, you, you mentioned that like in the beginning, you know, always act, I mean, all of us, I think at some point when we start acting, it's sort of like, oh, look, I'm good at this. Like Mm -hmm. people like what I do. People are laughing when I do that thing on stage, Mm -hmm. like the stage makeup, I got to go buy cigarettes, whatever the thing is. 
So at what point did that morph into something larger for you? And it became something about being a tool of the universe. Um, was there a moment? Was there a phase? Was there like, do you remember? I don't, you know, it's so funny. I, you asked me to do this and then I was like cleaning out papers a couple days ago and I found, um, we would have, I don't, would you guys have reviews from your professors at the end of the semester? Like telling like in you college. Yeah. 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 So I found a review from one of my college professors, my acting teacher in my sophomore year, I think, which was like our conservatory year. Um, cause I went to a liberal arts college. Um, and it was, he was talking about like my growth from the year, how I was learning how to get out of my way, my get out of my own way, uh -huh, uh -huh. um, to allow like the characters, the characters needs and wants to come through as opposed to my own, mm. because what my high school teacher taught me and she was amazing was a love for acting. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of what she could teach. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I would say like in college, I started to have these new ideas about like, oh, acting is also therapy. Like mm -hmm. it also is, mm -hmm. um, an opportunity to look at what is this character afraid of? Okay. If that character is afraid of their daughter dying, um, and I'm in college, Okay. I can't understand that because I don't have a daughter right now, but, um, I, so, so like, how does this, how does this work its way into my life? What do I have? And so I feel like that's how it started showing up for, for me. A lot of the training was inside out, mm. you know, mm -hmm. like looking at yourself. Um, how are you like this character? How are you not like this character? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would say probably, I don't know, a few years ago, three years ago, I kind of stopped, like realized that I didn't have to hold on to these feelings of mine because of this work that I've done with journeying and stuff like that, that I have an access to the, to the universe, to the universal feelings that I hadn't had before. Like what? Like the pain, like, um, could I play like a woman who is in the middle of war, even though I've never been in the middle of the war of war. Yes. Because I, I, oh God, how do I put words to this? I sort of go into my practice right now is that I sort of like go into a dressing room in, in the spirit realm and see what like is there for me to put on, mm -hmm. um, and sort of feel into that and then I try to like really step out of the dressing room for the performance, mm -hmm. like for the part for when I'm acting mm -hmm. as that person mm. and leave myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when it's over to now, come are back. you talking about like specifically right now, are you, um, are you talking about like, uh, in your life for any, anything, or are you talking about like a warm up, like for an audition or for a performance? I'm talking about for like the audition that I'm doing later today. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. I'll try to try to do that. Okay. So, um, so or for the grinder for like a, a anything. like, right. yeah, just to be like, let me, because right. If this is the work that I'm getting the opportunity to do, then let me like practice. Let me play. Like, 
Right. Yeah. Totally. So you'll go. So you're part of your prep when you're pre- preparing to act is mm-hmm. to um, essentially step into the feeling of the character that you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, this is this great. Uh, amazing. And so like, so I guess what I'm trying to get to is like, um, like if you were to advise, if you were to give advice to somebody who just doesn't like, um, you know, wants to change their life in some way, mm. um, whether they just want to change their career or they want to change, you know, they want to be happier mm-hmm. or they want to, um, be a better parent or like, how might they use similar principle to, to change their life in the way that they're looking to change their life? Like, could we all, for instance, like, like, let's say like, I'm just having a really bad day, right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a day where I'm continually frustrated, could I walk into whatever version of my dressing room I have? Could I get, could I like be in my car and say, you know what, when I step out of this car, I'm going to be a person who is not having a frustrating day. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wonder, I haven't, I haven't, um, really played with it in my own life in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for someone who was just trying to change their life, who feels sad or depressed or like out of control, I would say do something like that's easily accessible, like Deepak and Oprah's 21 day meditation challenge. I just started that today. Yeah. Um, and it's just like an affirmation and then 15 minutes of like hippie chime soul universe space sounds. Great which always reminds me of being in um, Space Mountain at Disneyland. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, if you, I guess like in the same way that, you know, shamanic journeying is, is, is a personal tool that you've used, mm-hmm. um, which has a lot to do with imagination. Mm-hmm. Like it, what tool can, what, what is imagination as a practice useful for everyone? Yes. And, 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 um, and can you just talk about like, was shamanic journeying always easy for you? Have you, how has your practice evolved in that? And, and then I'm also like drawing a parallel between the, your shamanic journeying, which you use a lot personally and what you're talking about in terms of what you use for preparing for an audition or, whatever you're acting in, Mm -hmm. like, um, what is the parallel between like the moment where you go into your dressing room and you imagine what this character might be feeling and when you, you know, are in your sacred garden and you're summoning your spirit guides, like what is the parallel in those two processes Mm -hmm. and how might that, um, parallel be applicable to people in, men you know a myriad professions Mm -hmm. um I will so I do think that imagination is a really important tool that we're shamed out of using after childhood Mm. right like even in childhood sometimes like oh this one and their imagination you know (laughs) like um you got a really great imagination. Yeah, look at you with your imagination. <laughs> right, you know, but like, like as we thing. as we get older, it does. It becomes that like then we're like a crazy person or something, you yeah. know? Um, or we have to channel it into something professional like storytelling or mm-hmm. um being a painter. Mm-hmm. Um so 
I think that when I first started shamanic journeying, the reason I started shamanic journeying is because I um, grew up in a very small town in Mississippi where it was very shameful to go to therapy. Like mm -hmm. you didn't go to therapy unless there was something like really wrong with you. You had an eating disorder or like you had, um, I don't know, you had an eating disorder. Right. <laughs> like what else were the, what were the other reasons they would let you go? That was probably it. Yeah. Um, but you were, you were actively hurting yourself. If you were a cutter, yes. you went to therapy. Yes. Right. But like, that wasn't even a thing if that anyone would ever know. You go to therapy, but like not, you don't just like go to therapy to talk about your problems. No, definitely right, not. Right. Like something has to be for reals wrong. Right. Um, and so I never had that. I never had like the tools to explore like myself internally. And then after I had my son, I had crazy postpartum. Mm. Um, and I had no idea what it was. I just was like a fucking dick for six months wow. because I was so like spinning. Mm. And, um, and I just felt like, I was the only thing in this world protecting this little thing and everyone was out to like, and then I would think of like the terrible things that people do to children and mm. the things that children are made to do to children in Sudan and like all this darkness mm. that I, I didn't know how to embrace. Mm. Um, and still probably wouldn't, I still think that that would be like really hard or process. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't know what to, how to process zero these process and feelings. <clears throat> so, um, a friend of mine, said i have this shaman you should go to her and i was like i mean the, what the fuck are you talking about shaman <laughs> you know um and so i went and i saw sarah and at this point of time she was living in um vermont and just like traveling here every once in a while to to meet with clients and i would say that i was definitely like is this person swindling me out of money every time i go mm -hmm. um like how you felt cynical, I very cynical and skeptical, but also yeah. helped like mm -hmm. really helped. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I kept going and like, I would how be did like, you know, your feelings would get better. You would feel not as scared. I would feel not as scared or, um, the things that would come up for me were really resonating. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of it was like, so I would say self-love and forgiveness mm -hmm. and, um, learning how to be kind to myself, which mm -hmm. I also feel like I, I didn't really learn, you know, as a child. And then as I did it, like over the years, I was kind of like, okay, maybe this is real still. Maybe it's not real. And finally what happened was that I was like, it doesn't matter if it's quote unquote real or not. What it is, is me practicing imagination in a way that ends up making me feel better, mm -hmm. making me feel better about myself, making mm -hmm. me into a kinder person, helping me to answer problems that I wouldn't otherwise have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly don't, I don't go to her as much anymore because now I have my own practice in that way. Mm -hmm. And now I have like an incredible therapist who's also spiritually connected. Yeah. Um, I should say that I go to the same therapist, same therapist. <laughs> which we didn't we know. Happen to have we just the like same ran therapist. into each other. We ran into each other at the, and she is an amazing therapist. She's amazing. And my friend, the same one who told me about the shaman is the one who told me about her. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I think I was definitely cynical when it started, but I feel like, I feel like practicing and like just playing with imagination 
is is just such an important lesson. Well, who that said? We all I did. think it was a young. Maybe Chris can look this up. Who said imagination is God? Someone said. Someone famously said imagination is God, and the idea of that is that what we can imagine, we can create. Hmm. On by the way, the more destructive side and the more creative side. I mean, you know what I mean. It's both. We yeah. can manifest everything that we want through imagination, whether or and we can also imagine we can manifest everything we don't want through our, through our imagination. So it's a tool. What does it say? It's you. You came Did up you with find that, it, Chris. Okay, we're still looking. Someone, someone said ima- imagination is God, and I—I I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, maybe a lot of people, have said that. <laughs> Yogananda, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yogananda. All right, we'll cut, <laughs> oh, we'll cut this part out. No, we won't. We'll cut I'm out. leaving it in because cut we're messy humans, guys. We don't have everything together all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I do. I think that's a really incredible and beautiful thing to say, and also like. If imagination is God, then then when we close our eyes and connect to imagination, are we just connecting to God? Right? Totally. Right. 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 So is this is imagination our voice, the voice of God speaking to us? Whether God is a guy in the sky or whether God is a person within us or we are God or imagination is God. Like it doesn't really matter what the truth of that is, but if we can access that tool, we have a lot of power is the point I think. Yeah. And if we, and if we, if we practice tearing down the walls that we've built up around our imagination, like what comes out of us? And Mm -hmm. I would say that is pretty exciting. Yeah. Like, right. Like if we could really like, I mean, like what if we like, like we set aside time to, um, you know, like, I don't know, uh, look at Instagram or we set aside time to, uh, meditate or we set aside time to, you know, do the work homework we have to do or whatever it is. Like, what if we also set aside time to just imagine every day? Mm-hmm. Like, what if that was like a practice that we... Which it sounds like it is for you. I would say that it is. Yeah. yeah. And also, um, I really, I, I had never done like left-handed drawing, mm. which is it's really amazing. Powerful. Like yeah. my non-dominant hand drawing. Yeah. Um, and then doing, um, non-dominant hand writing too. Yeah. And so tell, talk about that practice. Like what comes up for you when you do non-dominant hand drawing or writing? Um, Why is that valuable for you or how has it been? I think it just changes like the, um, the habitual way that my brain connects to the tools that are my hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like it's breaking down the walls a little bit to let imagination in a little bit more. And when will you do that? Like, is that also sometimes you'll do that like in response to a feeling that you want to work through? Or is this something that you might do? Like if you wanted to sit down and write or, you know, like what, what is it for you? When do you do that? Um, I'm trying to do it when I feel like it. Right. You know, Um, because I feel like often something will come up for me, like, oh, the universe is trying to like, you need to go right right now. Or like, you need to sit down and do a drawing right now or something. And I'm like, I, 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 I I don't have time for that shit. Like I gotta get (laughs) in my car and drive to Santa Monica to go to an audition, (laughs) you know? Right. Um, or you gotta make your son dinner or or I gotta make my son dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Like a million things now, but this is something like literally you could be like, uh, like at a restaurant waiting for a coffee and you could like bust out a pen and do a cool a non-dominant hand drawing. I would say like going by myself to a, re- a restaurant is one of my favorite things and I do it 
far too often. That's probably. great. That's great. And yeah. you do. And what do you do at what by yourself at the restaurants? Like, do you read? Do you draw? You journal? Mm-hmm. I really love reading um, short fiction. Oh yeah, I find it so inspirational. Yeah, yeah. yeah like just such a book. saturated amount of character and like such a short little. Oh, they're so juicy. Uh-huh. Like the New Yorker. Or, um, I read a book by Daniel Evans called mm-hmm. uh, "Before You Suffocate Your Own Full Self." Whoa. So good. Um, Otessa Moshfeg has an incredible short fiction book. And um, I love to like read that, get inspired, write my own ideas mm. that are inspired by those stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and is this something that like, like, like how often would you say like per week, per day, per month, do you practice this kind of stuff? How do you practice shamanic journeying? How often do you practice, you know, like the create creative drawings and writings? Like what is this? Is this a daily thing for you? I mean, I think it comes in waves like anything else, but I do something every day mm-hmm. or I'm, something to make something, something or, to make something and something to look inside yourself every day, whether it's meditation or shamanic journeying or all of the or above, journaling or journaling. Or, yeah. Something. I think so. Cause if I don't do that, I, if I don't do that and if I don't exercise, I'm like, how do you feel? Angry. Angry. Yeah. 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 That anger like comes up. And so talk, so we've talked a little bit about anger. We talk a lot about anger and that's, you know, we all f- have felt angry. <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about, and we, we did, you know, we touched on it quickly before, but of course, like, especially in our profession, but also like in the whole world, we've, what do you do with disappointment? What do you do with rejection? What do you Oof. do with those things? Bury them deep down. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> You'll deal with anger. I'll never shine a fucking light on that. Um, oh, man, disappointment's hard. Just last week I was like, well, okay. Actually, was it even last week? What day is it? Yeah. I think it was last week. Um, my Elizabeth lame and I have been pitching the show around town and look, I feel like as an actor, I've sort of built up a, like enough of a tough skin where it's like the casting directors love you. And it's like, no shit. They always love me, but you know what I mean? But you don't get the part, but I never get the part or whatever, you know? Um, I mean, so that's I one. I don't never get that's the like a lighter form of disappointment. Like, great because your agent will call or someone will say, like, "Oh my God, you're so amazing. You're they love so you, amazing. but you don't get but it." But it's not this one's not yours. And you know what? I feel like that's good. Like, my manager is also very like spiritual, and she's like, "Because this isn't your path," which is nice to hear. You know, right, right. Like you talk yourself out of the disappointment in a way by saying, like, you know what? Rejection is God's protection, and and it's also <laughs> like just part of being an actor. You know, yeah, yeah. You're like, this is the perfect. I've chosen this, this is, is what part I'm of doing it. yeah and this but is a feeling. I've never pitched a show before uh-huh, so uh-huh. the re- and I'm also the lead of the show so mm-hmm. I, the rejection feels like double, double. <laughs> yeah 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 like not only do we not like your ideas but we might like your ideas but we don't like you right. doing your ideas yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I do always say I'm like I feel like in acting you're like here's my soul and people are like I see your soul and I don't care for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because acting is so personal, it's right? So fucking but like personal. anyone who's making stuff, like whether you're an actor or a painter or an entrepreneur, when you're making a business, when you open a restaurant, yeah, when you uh, like pitch your idea to a big company that's like building new businesses, you it's personal. I mean, that's it like is. all your ideas. You I see mean, all those reality shows about cooking or whatever, and they're like. 
this is my heart on a plate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is my soul. Yeah. When you make something, whether what you've made is an idea or, uh, or a, you know, I mean, I guess everything starts as an idea, right? But like whatever the ultimate manifestation of the thing is that you're working on making, it's a very personal thing to make something yeah to to be a creative person whatever you're creating whether it's a like an algorithm right algorithm algorithm (laughs) algorithm we even if you're making an algorithm even if you're in silicon valley discovering it if you're in you can do like anything you're doing it's very personal so 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 yeah so it and so when you're gonna want to star and create your own show it's very personal and so you pitch it around town yeah. That means what, like ten, ten five. So to far, ten. we've done like five places. Okay. Um, and then it's also like, you know, I don't know. Have you been on the other side of casting where you're casting people to be in your things or like seeing people? Yes. So and and it's when you do that, then you're like, oh shit! Like the people who live here and are acting and are still acting and are working actors are great pretty much all good yeah yeah you just have to find the right flavor for like the project right, that you're working right, on right 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 and so i feel like when i can step back and see it like that mm-hmm. uh in a rational way right like this place already has a show like that or they have a show about this or they don't actually do very well with half hour comedy so this wouldn't be the right place you know yeah. but last week ended with us having not found the right place yet and not right now we're in a deal with some with somewhere to take uh-huh. it out to be our producers. So like, uh-huh. I don't know. It's crazy. You can see it from the outside where you're like, I everything's s- great. Like yeah. from the outside, you're like, I'm even in these rooms. I'm getting to pitch this amazing thing. With yeah. Movie. Like this is a possibility. This is like a close possibility. I'm in already a very privileged, um, privileged place that I'm even able to be in this conversation. Yes. And yet it still really hurts when it doesn't work. It's like, God, my self-worth. Like I, I just was like, Oh my, just like my feelings are hurt. Yeah. So what do you do with hurt feelings? How do you process that? Well, I mean, I'm saying all these things and I do do a lot of these things, but I also drink a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You numb it. I do. Yeah. I do. The pain. Yeah. And so you like get done with these meetings or you get the call from whoever that says like, it doesn't look like they're going to want this pitch buy Mm. this pitch, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're like, let's go to the bar. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Or I'm like, okay, well, I don't care because I already had three glasses of wine. Right, 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 right. And then do you like, and then, so does that work for you? (laughs) Yes. I'm the one person it works for. (laughs) Alcohol heals everything. I don't have any feelings of guilt or shame about it. It's perfect. Uh, So aside from like numbing it, like at the moment when, look, you could numb for a whole lifetime, mm -hmm, right? And I'm mm -hmm. sure you probably, we all try, right? We would love to numb these terrible feelings of disappointment or inadequacy or hurt feelings, right? Rejection. When our feelings are hurt, it would be so great if alcohol did really work in a sustainable way. Yeah. Or like reality television or marijuana or pills or like whatever Like however you like to numb, like wouldn't that be the best thing if that actually like worked forever? So amazing. (laughs) Um, So, but when you do, when there is a moment where all of a sudden you're like, okay, this doesn't really work forever. Mm -hmm. Then what do you do? I, I exercise a lot. Like I found kickboxing. Oh, nice. Recently. Oh yeah. I've seen that on your Insta. You're killing it. I love it so much. It's really fun. Um, I 
practice yoga mm-hmm. um and i or i do journeying um yeah. and, and therapy to, right and therapy yeah and that's been a huge tool for me so amazing yeah just try to get back to that place where you're like okay everything everything is on a path and it happens when it's supposed to so like that's like when you <coughs> say like get back to that place and that everything's on a path and it happens when it's supposed to like could you reductively call that acceptance you get pa- back to a path of it. You, you, you work on accepting the feeling. Yeah. So when you have these feelings, like what I found for me is that like, if I feel very, um, disappointed, cause disappointment is very difficult for me. I mean, I'm like, just like, that's like, for me, that's like one of my worst is like feeling disappointed, especially if I feel like it's my fault in any way. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, which would if, be what, like if you didn't work hard like, enough, or... like the last time I remember really processing disappointment. Yeah. If I didn't work hard enough or like whatever, like sometimes, you know, you walk into an audition room or an important meeting or whatever. And you're just like, you're just slightly off your game. Like, you know, like you did prepare, but like whatever happened on the way between, between your house and the place or like, or, or, you know, you let your anxiety get the best of you or you walk into the room and something's very distracting. And like in that moment, you don't have the consciousness to like be okay with it. Like it's all mental game. Mm -hmm. So like whenever my mind fails, betrays you. Yeah. Yeah. Like whenever I allow my own thoughts to be very, uh, to, to sabotage me. I, I leave those situations feeling like so disappointed in myself. Like, I mean, and it's also very hard to deal with disappointment when it's like, you don't get the part or, you know, somebody else gets it or you don't, you know, or you don't even get the audition or you don't get the, like, whatever it is that you want. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, but I found that like when I'm disappointed in myself in like how I've performed, that tends to be the hardest. Mm. Um, and, um, and so, so for me, like I tend to, I mean, first it's just like an act of acceptance. Like, like I have to feel the feelings. I have to feel the feelings. Mm. The feelings aren't going to go anywhere. And I know this and I wish that I could drink my feelings away. But like for some reason, my body's <laughs> like, I just like a wuss. Yeah. Like it's like for me, like one glass of wine makes me just like get a headache. Like I just wish that there was something that I could really use to numb myself. We'll find it. Um, we'll find <laughs> it. Like I was just thinking like what? I don't know. I mean, by the way, I try. It's not that I don't try. It's not that I don't ha- like have a glass of wine or two or whatever. But I just always feel so bad when that happens that it's like never been the thing that's worth worth it. it. I mean, definitely working out is, is helpful, but like what I've learned is that like, if I just like feel the feeling, like really just feel it Mm. as painful as it is, like feel, 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 just like let the disappointment sit there. It does, uh, become something else. Mm. Like Mm. then the disappointment becomes maybe first it becomes anger. Yeah. And then maybe that anger becomes, um, anxiety and that anxiety becomes, you know, and then at some point, like it, it, it changes and changes and changes, right? Like you go from like the, the acuteness of the disappointment into another acute feeling and another acute feeling, but like as it changes and morphs, as you continue to accept the feeling, it softens and, um, it can even then, and sometimes this is like, a decades long process. Mm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. depending on what happened, but 
eventually you can find acceptance and then even eventually you can find gratitude. Eventually something comes up where you're like, you know what? If that had happened in that way, then this other amazing thing wouldn't have happened. Or if that had happened in that way, I wouldn't have learned the lesson that I've now learned that equips me for this other opportunity that now I'm really wanting. Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah. eventually you do kind of, in my experience, you realize the value in that, in those hard feelings. Yeah. I, I, I think that's true. I would say too, and I bet, I bet this is true for you as well. Um, I like to slip some comedy in there yeah. to work through it, right? Sure, like something yeah. super painful happens and it sucks or it's shitty. Then I'm like, then I have a funny story, Yeah, you know, sure. or like I'll make fun of this for a while. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's part of my processing too, where it's like a sense of humor, <clears throat> a sense of humor or even, and even a sense of like, um, Getting to say fuck this right through humor. Right, right. Know? So like the camaraderie of all laughing at this terrible thing takes the sting away from it. Mm, yeah. I think that's really important, diminishing the sting. I mean, by the way, that's why a lot of people take antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds. Like, you know, sometimes the sting is too great and mm. the sting just feeds itself and feeds itself so that they're really it's really hard to create space around the sting enough to work with the sting mm. but humor is one tool that that you know we can use that we often use to just create enough of a space around the sting that this that we can get out the stinger and then you can and then i can process the like right the feelings you right know? right right i actually think that's such a great metaphor because like if you think about it like if you get stung by a bee and you're like doing every single thing you can to like get the stinger out mm -hmm you're probably not going to get the stinger, right? Because it's like, it's, you're almost going to push it further in. Like you're like trying to pick at it and tweezer at it. And the, but if for a second, you're just like, let the stinger sit there and let me just look at it. You'll probably think of, you, you know, you'll find the perfect pair of tweezers. Right. Or the sting might even like slightly come out enough to grasp it, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So here's what I want to talk about. We're, 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 you know, I'm watching the time. Okay. So quickly, I want, I just want to talk because we're right here in this moment. So you have an audition at five. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we, the, everyone at some point in their lives has an important interview or an important meeting or an important day at their job or whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how are you processing? Do you, do you feel, do you feel any anxiety? Do you feel an attachment to this particular part? Do you feel like, you know, you've been doing this for a million years and it doesn't really, you're not even thinking about it. Like what's your practice right now? Hmm. I mean, I feel like, uh, I worked on it yesterday. I got it yesterday. And so, and when you say it, you mean for people who don't know, you mean the, you got the sides, the sides, the audition, the script, you Not, read the script probably. I haven't. Oh, you haven't actually. It's a feature. I haven't had, haven't had time. You haven't had time to read the script, yeah. but you, you have like what, two or three or 10 pages of, yeah. What do I have? Like seven pages, seven pages of lines that, um, that you're going to go in and essentially perform for the casting director. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And whoever else is in the room, maybe the director the, and the director. Producer. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is also, I mean, I mean, this could be its own hour long conversation, <laughs> but like the difference between acting and auditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Like, 
like because I I totally know what you mean. I mean, it, in a way, it, there is there is a different uh, muscle that we use. Yeah, right? because when we're acting, like we're on a set, we have the props, we have another actor that we're working with, we have a costume. Like there are a lot of things that help make up the world that we're acting in. Sometimes yes. when we're auditioning, it's like there's a stage direction, like the car blows up and you have to, when you're auditioning, you have to pretend like mime a car, the car up. you have to like, mime like what do you do when you're supposed broken. to shoot someone with a gun? Yeah. You know what I yeah mean? Do yeah. I point my finger at the person? Right, like, exactly. There are all those questions that happen when you're auditioning. There's like a, there's a skill to that. That's a little bit separate from acting for sure. For sure. And you're often reading with someone who is not in any way, shape or form an actor. Totally. Right. Who is either like mumbling like the page yeah. or trying to be an actor. Yeah. So there, by the actors. way, uh, like this is how you might apply imagination to, to acting. Yeah. That's so funny. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Right? So playing with, playing with imagination a little bit in that, in that way. Um, it's also like when you're auditioning, it feels like I can't fuck this up. Mm. when I feel like when you're on a set, you can be like, oh, Let's hold do on. That again. Yeah, can I take that back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you deal with that feeling of like, um, like, oh, I can't fuck this up. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah, I feel like, well, like with casting directors, I mean, it's nice, right, to go into the same people over and over again because then you establish like a comfortability with the space and with the people mm -hmm. and you can mess up and be like, well, let me try that one again. Right. Like, you know, because you trust that they know you, you trust that they've seen you do great things. Yeah. Don't you think, I think it's easier as you get older in a way where you're like, well, I mean, maybe you start to understand, like I'm, it's going to be my vibe or it's not going to be my vibe. You know what I mean? I'm going to go in. I never don't do a good job in my auditions. Yeah. Like I'm always going to go in and do a good job. So I don't know. I feel just kind of like it's out of, it's kind of out of my hands. Like right. I learn, I learn what I need to learn. And then I go in and I'm like, this is now, have you ever had a time where you leave an audition room and you say like, I haven't done a good job. Yeah. Where I, you kick yourself. I did, uh, like a couple, a couple months ago. And it was for like a thing that I just, I just didn't honestly have enough time to prepare for it. And so you didn't have enough time for, to prepare. And what happened? You just felt like you couldn't, you didn't, the lines escaped you or like, yeah. And I knew the person who was, um, who I was auditioning for. And so like when it was over, I was like, I'm sorry guys. Like, I don't feel like I'm bringing the, it was the director. And I was like, I feel like, um, well, here's the thing. Like, I feel like I usually can just like, if I mess up, just like keep going. Uh -huh. Um, but this was like to play like an intelligence officer who was saying like the names of all these different places right, and like, right. it's not a thing you can like make up. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Um, but, and I was like, I was beating myself up about it. And then the next time I went in, it was for Allison Jones. She was like, this is crazy, but cause it was like two months ago, but like, you're still on the list for this part. Isn't that funny? So funny. It's so funny. Sometimes that happens. Right. And, and you like you might think that you did the worst audition that ever, that you like totally blew it. But then somebody is like, no, no, actually that's I like her what, vibe and we'll yeah, get I the like performance to the place right, or whatever. Right, right, you know? right, right. Um, okay. So you're, so you, when you leave here, you're going to get in your car, mm -hmm. you're going to sit in traffic, I'm gonna sit in traffic. <laughs> I'm going to go home. I'm going to change. You're going to change. Okay. You're yeah. going to listen to some, or are you, what are you going to listen to in the car? 
Um, Anything? I probably will like run lines. Run lines with yourself in the Yeah, car. and then okay. I'll probably take a break and listen to music for a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And talk about that break. Why do you, why, like, why wouldn't you just like keep running the lines the whole time? Uh, I guess to give them space, right? To like mm-hmm. create a little bit of space mm-hmm. to let them be be whatever they need to be it's in a very it's a very emotional like i have to cry Mm -hmm, a bunch of times mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah that's something that's very mysterious for people who don't act like how do actors do that like when you have to cry um it's crazy it is actually crazy when you think about it it is it's it's a it's in in and of itself it's a skill in acting like some actors are really good at it they always have a lot of access to to tears and then other actors really struggle with that yeah, I when I I auditioned for that, um, I did that movie, The Free State of Jones. It was like a Civil War movie starring Matthew I'm so McConaughey. Sorry, I didn't see that. Please, yeah. please okay. don't. <laughs> I had a very small part in it. Okay, but the audition was like, you're in a field. Yeah, you just a donkey walks up. <laughs> your dead son is strapped to its back. Oh God! Oh God! You yeah. lose your fucking mind. But you do it. It happens, right? Yeah. And then they're like, okay, so the stool will be the donkey. And how's, <laughs> how's it's always sunny in Philadelphia going? You know? And then you're like, oh, good. And then you talk for a while about like, yeah, dumb stuff. How funny Charlie is. Oh, or God. like, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. Um, Charlie Day, by the way, is your husband. Yeah. He created It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, a show that you act on. So then we'll talk about that for a while. Yeah, and sure. then they're like, okay, so anyway, so. Okay, you're and grieving widow, go. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it is, it's fucking But you've learned nuts. how to um your craft has given you the tools to to do that. I think so, and I think also in auditions what I'm learning, um Jimmy Simpson always said this to me. He's a great, great he's actor. An, an a great an, a great actor and a great auditioner. auditioner. Mm-hmm. Um that's your time. Yeah. So do what you want with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have, like sometimes like when I'm feeling, when there's a really uh, emotional scene that I'm like walking in to do, um, I've learned that I don't want to small talk at all. Like that doesn't serve me at all. Yeah. So I make it really clear that like I'm here to, to act. And how do you do that? So I will... um I don't, I, I'm quiet when I walk into the room. Like if I'm doing, if I'm auditioning for a comedy, I'll walk into the room. I like, will talk to everyone. I'll like ask if I can have a snack that's on the table. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll, but like when I'm, when I'm auditioning for something that is, you know, um, quiet and heart where my heart's really open. Like I, I sometimes won't even make eye contact with people mm. when I walk in the room. Which is hard too, right? Because part of the audition process is also a job interview where you're right. like, I have to I have to be this character who's right. an asshole or whatever, but right. then also make myself show that I'm a likable enough person right. that these people want to be on set so with So like me. I try to then just save that for the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like after I've broken down. I do I do think it's and then other times fine though, to say like well, but let's also, talk after. Yeah, or you know what also sometimes I'll just like uh you know, it just depends, right? Like it's, it's different. And I think this is a lesson I think that is, is universally applicable, right? It's like, it depends. It depends. Even if it's like, you know, like one crying scene is different from another crying scene. One project where you got to like lose your mind is different from another project. So like, it, and, and one audition room is different from another. One mm-hmm. casting director is different from another. One waiting room experience is different from another. So like sometimes 
you can have a conversation for 20 minutes about it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia and then break down on in the scene. Cry on a stool. And then other times that doesn't feel as accessible. Yeah. You know, and you just kind of have to like with experience monitor where you're at on that day with this particular material. So take care of yourself. Love yourself. Take care of yourself. Love yourself. Start with your, <laughs> start with that self. Okay. So we're about to, we're coming to a close uh, in minutes, but um, just talk me through. So, and I think also this is important. You will go over the sides just on any audition. You'll go through the lines, but mm-hmm. then you'll let your, let yourself listen to music. And I think like one of the things that's important about this, and I've discovered this for myself, and I think we, a lot of people talk about this. Young certainly talked a lot about this. We want to balance discipline and work with rest. Mm. And there's something very purposeful about that creatively it, that we, we want to, we want to work, but then the rest is equally important. The mm. listening to the music time is as important as the running lines time. Mm-hmm. Do you find that? Yeah, I do. I do. There's only like a certain amount of time that I can work on a thing before like the burnout starts happening. Um, and then, yeah, like I don't want my personal feelings about how much I've worked on this or not worked on this to, uh, bleed its way into the character. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So I do think like, it's important to work on it enough that I'm not like, fuck, fuck, I'm gonna fuck this up because I didn't work on it, but also to not work on it so much that like it loses its power. Mm, Right. Right. You want to be delicate. That's probably also another important lesson that I've been working on. That's applicable to life. Mm -hmm. Like if you have an idea, if you have, um, a goal, if you you don't talk about it so much that that's where the energy goes and the talking about it and not into the doing of it. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think that's like, and that's a lot of advice that a lot of people give is like, if you're really working on something that you're creating, um, keep it a little quiet. Yeah. Give it that gestational period. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then finally, finally, are there books that you would recommend to people? Not necessarily about, about life stuff or books or resources. So you've already talked about shamanic journeying. Mm -hmm. Um, you've talked about therapy, talk therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, you've talked about energy healing. Mm -hmm. Like what, what other modalities, either therapy modalities or, or what other, um, are, are there books that you could recommend or videos or movies or like what has helped you along your journey? Um, I mean, I do think having, for me, having a guided meditation practices is really nice. Um, I had someone that I was following and I don't, I, uh, I don't follow that person anymore. So I'm trying out this Oprah and Deepak situation to see what happens. Uh Um, and they have several 21 meditation, uh, 21 day meditation challenges that are focused on different things. So like one is like an abundance one. What else, what are you doing a particular one right now? Abundance, Abundance. is happening is happening okay, now great. I think great. maybe. Um yeah. And then I don't I I don't god I don't really have books. I mean when I was in college we did uh Peaceful Warrior. Mhm. Um and that was kind of a cool book I remember at the time, but I'm not really a I I don't like nonfiction. I don't like self-help yeah. books. I don't like like and um, is there one short story book or one um, narrative fiction that, that you feel like has been life-changing that you give to people, for instance, as gifts or that you like, mm. that stands out to you as something that you. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what, um, I mean, 
I, f- I feel like I'm, I read a book that I fall in love with, then I buy like a ton of them and give yeah. them to like a lot of people yeah. and then I move on sort of to yeah. the next one. Um, I really, I love Miranda July's work. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Miranda July uh, is a writer, director, makes movies and mm-hmm. also is a journalist. And, and also, also does write short fiction. Oh, short fiction. I yeah. And also that. writes fiction like novels. What's, do you know, can you name a recent book of hers? Oh, the I feel like the last novel of hers that I read was um, The Second Bad Man. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was pretty great. Um, Otesh, Otessa Moshveg has a book called, um, oh man, something about worlds. I can't, I'm we not can, sure. We'll find it. Um, Otessa Moshveg. Um, and I really <laughs> enjoyed reading Daniel Evans' book, um, okay. For Yourself, Create right, yeah, Full you yeah. Okay, but you know, I, I like following, like, I, I like following people on like Instagram and going in for bits and pieces of like the hood, witch, like horoscopes and astrology and stuff. Cause sure. I'm not so into that, that it's fun to go in for little bites. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm following Glennon Doyle. Do you follow her? Yeah. She's an amazing, so wise. also a uh, n- novelist, nonfiction writer. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah. Big magic. That was a great book. Did you read that? I haven't. I have it on my shelf. It's on your shelf. You gotta read it. It's yeah. a good one. Um, Mary Elizabeth Alice, thank you so much. I'm so happy to have been here. Thank I you for asking you. me. Thank you for being I feel here. like I like I hope points were made. Oh my god. You were in charge of it. So many like points like were made. Mm. I know. So many points were made. But I love that that response because like I think that everyone has that response, you know, like it's vulnerable just like talking about yourself and your life and then it's like you know, when you're done talking about yourself in your life, you're like, was, what did I, I just okay? say? Was I good? Am and then I you're good? like, and we're going to put it on the internet and <laughs> know, people like, are going like, to be like, ready to attack. Yeah. No. But, and I'm going to meet them with love. You're going to meet them with love. <laughs> and also they're going to meet you with love. And meet myself with love. Yeah. Um, break a leg on your dish. Thanks. Um, okay. We'll talk uh, soon. Okay. Thanks guys. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kat Foster and reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. For links and recommendations from this week's episode, visit ActingRealPodcast.com. Episodes go up on Mondays. Subscribe to the show and rate and review us. It would mean so, so much to us if you did. This podcast is produced by Hanami Sutton and Chris Mako with technical assistance by David O'Hara and music by Sean Hokinson. We love you guys. We really, really do. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.